And a one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk podcast. My name is Jason, and we are continuing today in our Bible in a Year podcast. We are rolling along all the way to week 43. And I'm flying solo today. Got a great reading today. We're still in the book of Jeremiah. And we are also still in Paul's letters. Today we're going to start Timothy. We'll do the first book of Timothy. So Jeremiah and Timothy. And uh, a lot to cover here. Jeremiah, again, we are still in the the moment, uh, kind of right before the exile. He has been charged to warn Judah and Jerusalem of what's coming. And they're not having it. And uh, he's having a rough go at it trying to do what's right trying to warn them and they are not listening so there's a a sense of kind of dread and terror and sadness about a lot of what he's talking about but at the same time god is also talking about uh, how he will restore them there's glimmers of hope so it goes back and forth between these modes of just impending uh destruction coming on them and um also Uh, glimmers of light and how he will restore them and Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy uh, who is uh, a son of his uh, in the spirit and a spiritual Paul's a spiritual father of sorts to him, encouraging him to go ahead of him and uh, do some work in the church there and he's uh, it's very encouraging, empowering to Timothy and uh, reminding him of the call on his life and the gifts he has to use it. And so a lot of great stuff. So uh, let's jump into it. We'll start off today on Jeremiah 7. The Lord said to Jeremiah, stand at the gate of the temple and proclaim this message. Listen, people of Judah, change the way you have been living and do what's right. If you do, I'll let you live in the land. Now, this is incredible because uh, God um, kind of goes through two different modes here with them. There's times when he will say things like, no one can stop this judgment from coming. It's coming no matter what you do. Um, uh, um, this impending doom, this judgment is inevitable. Is coming, but then he'll stay, say stuff like that. Uh, if you'll listen and do what's right, I'll let you live here. Um, stop putting your confidence in false beliefs, saying we are safe, the temple is here. And here's a theme here treat each other fairly, stop oppressing foreigners, the fatherless, and widows. Uh, those three come up over and over again uh, that these people were guilty of this oppression. Uh, foreigners, uh, orphans, or fatherless, and widows. And uh, it's always joined by, also, stop giving allegiance to other gods. That's a big one that comes up repeatedly as well. They had given allegiance to other gods. It will bring you ruin. But then again, if you stop, I'll let you live in the land. You steal, you murder, you commit adultery, you lie, you sacrifice to Baal. Then you come in my temple and say we are safe. My temple is not a hideout. I will destroy this temple you trust in. I will drive you out. Um, 
This is this is amazing. He tells Jeremiah, "Do not pray for these people. I won't listen to you." That's what I'm talking about. This is kind of it's set in stone, uh, kind of motif he goes into. They offer sacrifices to other gods. My anger will come on them. I told your ancestors, I don't just want sacrifices. I command them to obey me. So it sounds like they're they're um, not obeying the Lord, doing a bunch of stuff they know better not to do, but then also at the same time making sacrifices to God and acting like that's enough. That's enough. Everything's going to be fine. Um I commanded them to obey me, and things will go well for them. But they acted worse, not better. I sent prophets again and again and again, but they did not listen. When you tell them this, they won't listen. They have not accepted correction. Mourn for them. God has rejected them. Chapter 8. The bones of the dead kings and priests and prophets will be scattered like trash. Some will survive, but I will force you to go to a foreign country. The Lord said, people of Jerusalem, you stumble and get up. You turn around and go on the wrong road. Why won't you turn to me? Why won't you admit you're wrong? You run blindly down the wrong road. You think you are wise with the teaching of God, but you turn my words into lies. Your wise men reject what I say. Every Everyone rich and poor is greedy. Priests and prophets can't be trusted. They have no shame. I will wipe them out. I'm burdened with sorrow. My people cry out. Has the Lord deserted Zion? My people are crushed and so is my heart. I'm horrified and mourn. Chapter 9. I wish my eyes could cry day and night. The Lord replied, People lie as if they're shooting arrows. With each dishonest deed they increase in power. I will purify the hearts of my people like purifying gold. Give me a good reason not to punish them. Jeremiah weeps for his people. Jerusalem and Judah will be piles of ruins. And this is pretty incredible too, reading after the fact, which we've already read through what does come on them. It it definitely will be piles of ruins. I asked the Lord why the land is like a desert. The Lord said, I destroyed the land because they disobeyed me and rejected my laws. I will scatter them in foreign countries, and enemies will kill them. The Lord says, make arrangement for paid mourners. Zion cries, we are ruined. We will teach a funeral song. The ground will be covered with the dead. I will punish Egyptians, Judea, Edomites, Ammonites, Moabites. None of those nations is really circumcised. None in Israel are really circumcised. Chapter 10. Listen, Israel, to what the Lord says. Do not start following pagan religious practices. Don't be in awe of signs in the skies. These religions are worthless. I said, there is no one like you, Lord. This is Jeremiah. Everyone should revere you. The Lord is the only true God. He made earth and sky. He claims Israel. Prepare to leave the land. Jerusalem will be besieged. I will throw out those who live in this land. I cried out, we are doomed. We can't bear it. Our leaders are stupid. They have not sought the Lord. 
The rumble of the great army is heard. Correct us, Lord, but but be measured. Vent your anger on those who don't worship you, for they destroyed the people of Jacob. Chapter 11. The Lord said to Jeremiah, Hear the terms of the covenant I made with Israel. Here are the terms I made. Pass them on to Judah and Jerusalem. Anyone who does not keep the terms will be cursed. Those are the terms I charge your ancestors. Obey me and carry out the terms of the covenant. Then I will keep my promise. I swore to give them the land of milk and honey. That's the land you live in today. There it is again. He's saying they could still change their way. The Lord said to me, announce these words in the towns of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen to the covenant. I warned your ancestors. I warned them again and again. They did not listen. I brought them all the punishment I threatened in the covenant. People of Judah and Jerusalem have plotted rebellion against me. Paid allegiance to other gods. They sacrificed to Baal. What right do you have to be in the temple? You can't conceal your evil by sacrifices. Mm. The Lord showed me what people were doing. They were making plans to kill me. They said, let's remove Jeremiah so people will not be reminded of him anymore. This is also a theme that comes up over and over. Um, the prophet comes to warn them. And uh, it's interesting because he's actually trying to help them, trying to save them. That's true today, too, of this kind of thing. The truth of the matter, they they do not want to hear it so much that they are ready to kill the person, the messenger. We talked. I talked about this with uh, Pastor Katrina when she was here. We were talking about Jeremiah. And it reminded me of Jesus uh, when he was reading in the book of Isaiah. And it's all like um, really um, gracious, healing, uh, restoration kind of uh, message. At least the one that, that Jesus was reading. And um, they freaked out, tried to kill him. Um, let's continue. Some men said, stop prophesying in the name of the Lord or we will kill you. The Lord said, I will punish them. Their young men will be killed in battle. I will bring disaster on them. A day of reckoning is coming. Um, reckoning. You could, you could call Jeremiah that. The book of reckoning. Uh, this is a sense of impending doom the whole time. Chapter 12, the Lord has always been fair. But why are the wicked people successful? Why do dishonest people have easy lives? They grow prosperous. They talk about you, but really they, they care nothing for you. You know me, Lord. You test my devotion. Drag the wicked away to slaughter. How long, Lord? The Lord answers, do not trust in men, even brothers. They will betray you. I will abandon my nation. My own people attack me. Foreigner rulers will ruin the land. They will champ trample my chosen people. The Lord says the, to the wicked nation surrounding the land that have attacked and looted, I will uproot the people of those nations. I will free the people of Judah who have been taken there. I will have pity on them. They must learn to follow religious practices of my people. They must swear oaths by the Lord. If they do these things, I will call them my own. But I will completely destroy those who will not pay heed. It's really fascinating. Um, this is a warning to, to not just 
Judah and Jerusalem, but to the people attacking about the future. This is a future restoration that he's bringing, but he's telling them to align um, uh, this this particular translation says religious practices. We see that in uh, Nehemiah and Ezra. They run into a whole crazy uh, situation with that uh, in, the, in the middle of the restoration. It's, it's wild. Uh, that becomes a huge issue. Chapter 13, the Lord said, Go buy some linen shorts. <laughs> version says shorts, waistcloth, loincloth, then go and bury them in the rocks. Then days later he ordered me to go and uh, dig them up. So I dug them up and they were ruined. The Lord said, this shows you how I will ruin Judah and Jerusalem. They will become like these shorts, good for nothing. I intended, intended them to be my special people to bring me fame, honor, and praise, but they would not obey. That's an incredible idea too. Uh, which comes up a lot. Uh, it's not really even about Israel. Um, the intention was for Israel to bring fame, honor, and praise to God. It was really about him the whole time. Uh, I told the people of Judah, listen, don't be arrogant. Show the Lord respect that is due to him. This is... This is uh, insightful here show the lord the respect that is due to him um it's kind of a, th a threatening thing uh sh you better show respect um but it's really in in their own benefit he keeps on saying before you stumble into distress before he turns their light of deliverance uh you hope for into darkness and gloom of exile. If you don't listen, I will weep bitterly. Um, there's something about the respect, giving respect due to the Lord, which is connected to the light of deliverance, which we hope for, giving that honor and uh, wait. The Lord said to me, tell the king and queen to surrender their thrones. All of Judah will be carried away. You ask why? It is because they sinned. You will be scattered, doom and destruction and dismay. I said, Lord, intervene for the honor of your name. We have turned from you. You have been Israel's hope. You have saved them when they were in trouble. Do not abandon us. The Lord said they love to go astray. Okay. I remember the wrongs they have done. I will punish them for it. That's okay. Yeah, fourteen. Chapter fourteen. Sorry, one second here. Thing is not updating. Okay. Let's jump over to 15. Use my phone. The Lord said, Even if Moses and Samuel pleaded for these people, I would not feel pity for them. Get them away from me. That's incredible. A lot of this reminds me of um, Moses and Samuel, really. Samuel's kind of more personal. 
between him and Saul. Um, Moses intervening for the people of Israel in that situation and how God was saying the same kind of thing. There was warnings over and over again and then this impending doom coming, but then Moses intervened and God said, okay. But in the end, you see that God um, God knew their hearts. He knew their hearts already, that they had already made up their minds. They weren't going to really follow him. And uh, that plays out. That's why they all end up dying out in the desert, at least most of them. And uh, even though he let Moses um, um, vouch for them, and he said, okay, he let him live. He knew, I think he knew what was coming. Um, he continues, he says, they are destined to die by disease, war, and starvation and exile. The Lord says, who will grieve for them? You deserted me. I don't feel sorry for you anymore. Harsh, harsh. I will purge all the towns. Widows will increase. This is intense. Jeremiah says, Mother, I regret you ever gave birth to me. I am always fighting with people. They treat me with contempt. The Lord said, Jerusalem will send you away for your own good. Your enemies you know nothing of. I will take your wealth. I said, Lord, you know how I suffer. Take care of me. Don't let them kill me. I was filled with joy that you spoke to me. But why must I suffer enduring insults? Will you let me down? This is incredible. In the middle of this, um, I just think about the way God uses um, people. He uses people, and people are people. It's not the best, brightest, um, sharpest people all the time, the most qualified. Uh, Jeremiah's having a moment here. He was going through some stuff. And uh, that lament, you know, I wish I was never even born. Uh, he's crying out to God how he's suffering, trying to be his servant. And check this out. God corrects him right here in the middle. You must repent of those words and thoughts. If you do, I will restore you to the privilege of serving me. <laughs> I love that. He's kind of sending uh, Jeremiah uh, uh, right into the fray, knowing that they're going to attack him, knowing they're going to do all this stuff to him. And Jeremiah complains about it. And and uh, God doesn't really give him a pass. He's like, no, no. Say what is worthwhile, not what is worthless. I will use you again. I will make you strong. They will attack you. That's what I'm talking about. They're going to attack you, but they will not overcome you. I will rescue you from the wicked people. Chapter 16. The Lord's message came to me. Don't get married in this land. The children born here will die. Don't go to funerals. Rich and poor will die, but no one will be buried. Don't go to feasts or celebrations. When you tell the people, they will question it. Tell them it's because their ancestors worshipped other gods and not obeying my word, and you are doing 
that too, and even worse. Again, there's that connection. Same, same, very similar uh, to the people Moses dealt with. I will throw you out with no mercy. No mercy. But a new time will come. Here it is, right in the middle of it. I will bring them back to the land I gave their ancestors. But for now, I will send enemies. I will punish them in full. I said, Lord, give me strength and protect me. You're the one I can run to for safety. Our ancestors worship false gods. We cannot make our own gods. The Lord said, I will let the wicked know my power in judgment. Chapter 17, Judah's sin is engraved on their hearts. So I'm talking about there is some um, kind of point of no return. That's a motif here. It's the die is cast. It's engraved on their hearts. It's very, actually really um, uh, scary to me. That kind of, because you don't, you've gone so far, your conscience is so seared, um, you don't even know anymore. You don't realize it. You can't. You're you're fighting the very thing that's trying to help you. That's when you really get in trouble. You will lose your land. I will put a curse on the people who trust in human beings. Those who depend on mere flesh and blood for their strength, whose hearts have turned from God. My blessing is on those who trust in me. They will be like a tree by a stream. The human mind is more deceitful than anything else. I think some say the heart. More deceitful than anything else. That's an incredible thing to think about. That's the enemy uh, within. It is incurably bad. These are, these are signs to what's going to have to come to cure this. The cure in Christ. Who can understand it? I examine people's hearts. I deal with people according to how they behave. Then I said, Lord, from the beginning you have been on high. You are a place I find res refuge. Grant me relief from my suffering. They mock your threats. Do not them let them be disgraced. Bring disaster on them. The Lord said, go to the gate and out to them. If you value your, your life, do not carry anything in and out. Chapter 18, the Lord said to Jeremiah, Go down at once to the potter's house. So I went to his house and found him working on the wheel, and he was uh, molding and reworking clay. The Lord said, Israel, uh, I will deal with you like the potter. You are like the clay in my hands. I threaten to uproot nations. But if they stop doing wrong and obey, I will cancel the destruction. There are times I promise to rebuild up a nation, but if the nation does not obey, then I will cancel the promise. Tell Judah and Jerusalem I plan to punish them. Do what is right. My people have forgotten me and offered sacrifices to worthless idols. Their enemies see them digging their own pit. This is... This one part was funny to me. Jeremiah says, but, but Lord, you know they want to kill me. Don't ignore their sin. Deal with them while you're angry. So Jeremiah is basically saying, why you're at it, Lord? Why you're in this um, 
judgment, doom, and destruction mode, uh, and you're really angry, uh, don't forget those guys over there. <laughs> Deal with those guys, too, because they're, they've been out to get me, making fun of me, trying to hurt me and kill me. Make sure you get those guys when you're, uh, cleaning house here, Lord. It's a very, <laughs> very human, human reaction there. I thought it was funny. Chapter 19. The Lord told Jeremiah, go buy a clay jar, take some of the leaders and priests, and go into the valley. Say, listen, kings of Jerusalem, I am about to bring disaster on you. You have spilled the blood of innocent children, built places to worship Baal. Uh, the time will come when this valley will be called the Valley of Slaughter. The Lord said, now break the jar in front of them. God says, I will... Do just like Jeremiah has done with the jar. I will smash this city and nation. Jerusalem and Judah will be filled with dead bodies. Jeremiah then went to the Lord's temple and stood in the courts. He said, the Lord will soon bring disaster on the city. Chapter 20. Pashur, the priest in charge of security, heard Jeremiah's prophecy and had Jeremiah flogged and then put in stocks. The next day he released him. It's probably one of the people Jeremiah is talking about. Jeremiah said, the Lord will make you and your friends terrified. You will see them all die. I will hand Judah over to Babylon. Jeremiah says, Lord, you coerce me into being a prophet. You overcome my resistance. Now I'm a laughingstock. I'm the object of insults. But the message is like a burning fire in my heart. I grow tired of holding it in. The Lord is with me like an awe-inspiring warrior. You test and prove the righteous. You see people's hearts and minds. Pay them back. I trust you will vindicate me. Sing praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, this is incredible. Jeremiah goes, he's going through it, man. It's one of those human responses that are, uh, it's recorded in such a way that it's part of the, part of the things that make me believe in the Bible is the, the humanness of, of the heroes, so to speak. Jeremiah is very, he's going through it because he's sitting here saying, uh, it, it, it says, I trust you will vindicate me, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. And then he goes right back into cursed is the day I was born. I wish I was killed in the womb. All I experience is trouble. Um, so this prophet's, uh, Suffering on his mission, suffering here, having a hard time with it, getting the job done, going through it. Chapter 21, the king asked Jeremiah to ask God to come help him. Babylon is attacking us. Jeremiah answered, the Lord says, I myself will fight against you. That's incredible. I will kill everything in Jerusalem. I will hand you over to Babylon. I will give you a choice between two courses. One results in life, the other in death. Those who are sent re surrender and leave with the Babylonians will live. But the city, if you stay, will be handed over to Babylon and they will destroy the city. Give up those who have robbed and oppressed. I will punish you as uh, you deserve. Chapter 22. The Lord told me, go to the palace of the king of Judah. Say, do what is right, deliver. He wants them to hand over all those who have robbed and oppressed been oppressive and mis mistreated foreigners. 
do not kill the innocent. If you obey, you will con- continue on. If you don't, the palace will go to rubble again. He's giving giving them an, uh, another chance, another window of opportunity to escape this impending doom, which he says is impending. It's coming no matter what. Do not weep for them. The king will die in exile. He is sure to be judged. People of Jerusalem go to Babylon and cry out. Your allies have been defeated. You refuse to listen. You will be carried off. The king is not my representative. I will hand him over to Nebuchadnezzar. He will die there. Like a clay vessel no one wants, he will be thrown out. His sons will not succeed him. That is the end of our reading for Jeremiah. Um, again, it's just incredible. There's so much there um, to glean from and to um, um, learn from for our lives, for our, for our country's lives. I feel like this is these patterns, these cycles of um, there's always a way out seems like but there's also this other competing impending judgment coming um the lord's trying to get them to to turn around change their ways to get out of it but it's also like he knows they're not gonna listen and so it's inevitable and i I think as a parent i've experienced this it made me think of that when i warned my kids over and over and over and it's kind of like sometimes you give a warning and you can kind of already tell they're not going to listen. And uh, you're trying to get them to listen to the warning. It's not that you want to bring the judgment and the punishment. It's not a particularly fun thing to do. But um, uh, you're trying to give them an out. Just just work with me here. Work with me, Judah. Work with me, Jerusalem. But they would not listen. And... Uh, it, uh, they had to go through some stuff, man. Uh, they had to go through some stuff. All right, let's jump over to Timothy. We are at First Timothy 1 through 6. From Paul, an apostle of Christ, by his command to Timothy, my child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace. I love that, my child in the faith. Uh, they use that term uh, around here a lot. Father in the faith, kind of your mother in the faith. Uh, it is biblical. I got a fly in here today. It's buzzing around. I urge you to stay in Macedonia to instruct the people to keep them from the false teaching and myth. Those things are not God's redemptive plan. The aim of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Love from a pure heart, not the uh, inscribed heart of sin that we were just talking about. A good conscience, sincere faith. Many don't understand what they are saying. We know the law is good when used legitimately. Pro-law. The law is for unrighteous persons, for murderers and sexual immoral, homosexuals, liars, and kidnappers. I'm thankful God trusted me enough to put me in ministry. That's incredible. The dichotomy there. Jeremiah's and uh, Paul. Paul went through some stuff too. Uh, he, he certainly did. But Paul Paul's view is a little different. Check this out. Even though I was a blasphemer and persecute, 
a persecutor, persecutor, he persecuted the church, and arrogant, but I got mercy. His grace brought me to faith and love in Jesus. I received mercy as the worst of people. Again, there's that thing, God picks people. He does not use the world system. Uh, it's one of the beautiful, <laughs> at times frustrating, awesome things. I love it because it gives me opportunity. <laughs> uh, I relate to Paul saying this, the worst of the people. Um, but God gave mercy. Why did he give mercy? Check this out. This is very similar to what we just heard. The whole deal with Israel was to bring glory to God. Why does he give Paul mercy? To be a de demonstration of his patience. Not about Paul. It's about the Lord. As an example of those who are going to believe in him for eternal life. Be glory to God and honor forever. Uh, that ought to encourage some folks. God's looking at our hearts. He will use... Um, a persecutor, an arrogant persecutor. He was killing Christians, persecuting Christians. And God chose him, the worst of the worst. Uh, that's who he chooses sometimes. I love it. I put this charge before you, Timothy, my child, keeping with prophecy spoken to you so that you can be encouraged and fight the good fight of faith. You must hold firmly to faith and a good conscience. Hold firmly to faith. That is just so true. Faith. What is faith? It's unseen. He's having to take something that he's not seeing yet in fullness. Same with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was having a hard time because he wasn't seeing the... He was having a, a trouble seeing through faith that he was going to get through it. He says, you hold firmly to the faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected. It says, and good conscience, which some have rejected. Some have rejected the faith and a good conscience, and it shipwrecked them. And then he calls some folks out, like Hemenius Hem oh, and Alexander. <laughs> this is wild. Who I handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Um, man, I can't help it. It's, it's a, he's handing them over to their enemies. Where did he get this idea? What were we just reading? What's God doing to Judah and Jerusalem there? And it's actually, uh, to some, it's their destruction. To some, it's part of their redemptive, uh, process. They had to go through it. I don't know what happens to these fellas, um, but he's seeing it as they're being handed over to be taught a lesson, and hopefully they're going to come back to uh, back to the faith. Trial by fire, man. Hmm. Sometimes they you just got to go through it. I think you reach a place where it's uh, you're going to have to learn. Uh, from some mistakes with some consequences that uh, blasphemy. I'm not, I'd have to look at the translation. I'm not sure what was going on exactly there, but they had to learn the hard way. 
Chapter 2, pray for everyone. Pray for the kings and those in power so we may live a quiet and peaceful life. That's another theme that seems to be coming up. God wants all people to be saved. I love this. And know the truth. There is one God and one intermediary between God and humanity. I'll read that again. There is one God and one intermediary between God and humanity. Who is that? Who do we pray to? Who is our uh, intermediary? Jesus Christ. Jesus gave himself to be a ransom for all. I am appointed to preach this truth. All right, here's a modern favorite, very popular these days. You hear a lot of series on this one. Women are to dress suitable apparel and suitable apparel with modesty. Their clothes should not be with gold and pearls. Women must learn quiet submissiveness. People love that these days. I do not allow women to teach or have authority over man. Uh, uh. Adam was the first, then Eve. The woman was deceived, not Adam. She will be saved through childbearing and continu- if she continues in faith and love. Um, a lot there, friends. Um, it's there, and uh, that's something, some of that I would wrestle with. Some of that, maybe not so much, but uh, it is there, and... Uh, Make your own mind up on that. Chapter 3. If someone aspires to be an overseer, he must be above reproach. A husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, a teacher, not a drunkard, not violent, gentle, free from love of money. He must manage his house and children. How can he manage the church if he can't manage his own house? Hmm. He cannot be a recent convert. He must be well thought of by those outside the faith. That's interesting. Deacons. Deacons. I don't hear that one very much, uh, at least in our church very much. Deacons used to. Must be dignified, not excessive drinking, clear conscience, tested first, then serve. Their wife must be dignified. Wives must be dignified. Now he's talking to the wives. Not slanderous, tempered, faithful. Manager of their home and children. I hope to see you soon if I'm delayed. Uh, Those are my instructions for the church. Our religion's amazing revelation is he was revealed in flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the Gentiles. Taken up in glory. That's the amazing revelation. It's Jesus. That's really the point. The whole thing. Revealed in the flesh. He actually showed up among us as one of us. Still hard to get my brain around. Number four. The Spirit says... um, In latter times, people will abandon their faith, listening to deceiving spirits and demonic teaching. This ought to sober us up a little bit. 
influenced by liars whose conscience is seared. We've heard that before. The seared conscience, the engraved conscience, the heart that's engraved. And this is really interesting. They will prohibit marriage and abstinence from food that God created that are to be received with thanksgiving. Every creation of God is good. It is sanctified with prayer. Very interesting stuff there for end times. The end times. Prohibiting marriage and certain foods. Look out for that. Nourish yourselves on the words of faith and good teaching. Reject the myths. Train yourself for godliness. Fix, <laughs> this is funny. Physical exercise has some value. Godliness has value in every way. This is why we work hard, because we set our hope on the living God, the Savior of people. Command and teach these sayings. Let no one look down on you because you are young. That's a popular one. Be an example in love and conduct. Give attention to public reading of Scripture. I love that. Give attention to public reading of Scripture. I think that applies today, even though back then probably, you know, everybody did not have access to books the way we do. I still think there is a precedent and uh, a weight and honor to public reading of Scripture. Exhortation and teaching, that's what all is there. Give attention to these. Reading of Scripture, exhortation, and teaching. It's important. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you have, which was confirmed by prophecy and laying on of hands. Be absorbed in these things. Be conscious about how you live, preserved, and by this you will, be, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Chapter 5. Do not address older men harshly. Appeal to them as father, younger men as brothers, older women as mother, younger women as sisters. Honor widows in need. If a widow has children, they should learn to fulfill their duty to their parents. This is interesting. It's very brass tacks here about um, widows. If they have children, the children should help take care of her. The one who lives for pleasure is dead already. Wow, that's intense. If someone does not provide for his family, he has denied the faith. They must have had some issues here, which um, this, this must just be a human problem, uh, which I've seen. You try to help in a certain way and... Uh, People always take advantage of it. It, turn, it can easily be twisted into another thing. He says, do not accept young widows, only older widows with a good reputation. Younger should marry and raise children. If a believing family has a widow in the family, they should take care of her so not, uh, so not to put a burden on the church. If a believing family has a widow in the family, they should take care of her, so not to put a burden on the church. Um, it's interesting. Uh, the church is not the source. Um, and at the same time, he's encouraging them to take care of widows. Um, but also saying, if you 
if there's any other way, do it by those means. Elders who give effective leadership should be counted worthy of working hard on teaching and speaking. Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it treads grain. The worker deserves his pay. Um, that's interesting. He used that as well earlier in his other writing. That same scripture, do not muzzle an ox while it treads grain. Uh, he's using it, I believe, uh, paying people for their work, speaking and teaching. Um, accusations must have two or three witnesses. The guilty should be rebuked before all as a warning to the rest. Wow. Um, this is interesting. I'm going to drink a little wine for your digestion and your frequent illness. Timothy had frequent illnesses. Paul's uh, son in the faith had frequent illnesses. And he encourages him through natural means a remedy through natural means to try to alleviate some of that. People's sins are obvious, and good works are obvious. Chapter 6, those who are slaves must have respect for their masters. Masters must show respect as well. If someone f spreads false teaching, he is conceited, understanding nothing. This brings envy and slander and bickering. Godliness with contentment brings joy, contentment. That's interesting. We brought nothing into this world, and we will leave with nothing. If we have food and shelter, we, we, we will be satisfied. Those who desire to be rich stumble into temptation. Love of money, love of money is the root of all evil. Keep away from all that. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, endurance, gentleness, Fight the good fight of faith. So all those things we just listed, righteousness, pursuing righteousness, pursuing godliness, pursuing faithfulness, pursuing love, endurance, and gentleness. That's the fight. That's the fight of faith. Lay hold of, lay, I love this. Lay hold of that eternal life you were called for. It's like, it says, lay hold of that eternal life you were called for and made your good confession before many witnesses. That's like when he received his faith. There's this process, this fight of good faith. It's, it's, like, it's really interesting because that moment that, that he made his confession, something happened for real in his life, obviously. But then there's this continued fight of appropriating that very thing and fighting for it fighting through faith the fight of faith to realize what has already happened so it's happened but to see it it's unseen it's unseen so it's going to take faith to see righteousness to see godliness to see faithfulness to see love to see endurance to see gentleness it's through faith I don't know why, but that's, it always sticks out to me. Because sometimes there's this feeling like you get saved and um, everything is new. There's verbiage like that, death to the old man and all that. But then there's also this reality of something very real happened, a very real change happened. 
but then the rest of your life here on earth is this fight of faith to actualize it, to appropriate what had happened, what has already happened, to bring what is unseen into the seen world through faith. That's the fight of faith. Um, that's encouraging and challenging and um, um, it's helpful, helpful to know that. Helpful to know that. Um, obey without fault until Jesus appears. He alone possesses immortality and lives in unapproachable light. No human has seen or able to see. Tell the rich not to set their hope on their riches, but on God who provides us all things for enjoyment. Tell them to do good, be generous givers, and sharing with others. With the saving treasures in heaven for the future. This was very real to Paul, this reality. That's how he was manifesting. I don't like that word, manifesting. That's how these realities of his work, his faith, his, his uh, um, endurance, to endure what all he did. How did he do it? Because this was real. He really believed it. It really became real to him that he was, there were treasures in heaven that were real. Lay hold of what is truly life, that there was this real Jesus, that there was um, an unseen uh, that was real. No human has seen or able to, been able to see. A hold true of what is truly life. It's that. Um, it's that same theme. Avoid um, chatter and absurd knowledge, which cause some to stray from the faith, grace, and peace. That, my friends, is the end of 1 Timothy. Next week, we will be back in Timothy. Um, these, these readings, man, they uh, just stick around in my heart, come up in my mind all the time. And uh, um, I just, it, uh, what do they call it, chewing, chewing on it, chewing on it, thinking about it. Um, I think about that engraved on your hearts. Uh, they use that phrase as far as sin, the callousness of the heart. There's a different engraving on the heart as well through the word. I think through the process of, of uh the process of uh, being in the Word continually. They talk about that a lot. Continually on your mouth and your mind. And uh, uh, I hope, friends, you're able to uh, follow along in this process as well. Continue and uh, uh, continue reading. Week 43, man, we're cruising along. We are almost there. And uh, uh, man, it's awesome. 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 And so uh, have a great week, everybody. We'll be back with uh, week 44. We'll still be in Jeremiah, and we will be in uh, 2 Timothy as well. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Peace.